CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag gamification. Today's topic is, can gamification improve enterprise transformation? And our guests for today's show are Mark McDonald, who is the Vice President and Head of Research with Gartner Executive Programs and is also a Gartner Fellow. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Uh, good morning, Sanjav. It's good to be here. Good. So you're enjoying that uh, chilly weather in Chicago or you're somewhere else? Oh, no, no. I'm in Chicago. It's very cold here. All right. Good, good. So, so stay warm and fuzzy and let's enjoy this conversation. And uh, we also have Mike Hugos, who's the managing principal at SCM Globe, and he's also an author and a mentor. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Hi, Sanjog. Thanks for having me. Great. Great to have you, too. So uh, today, the conversation we have picked up, actually, the this word gamification had been uh, the latest buzzword. Enterprises want to use it. Individuals and marketers want to use it. But we wanted to connect it to enterprise transformation, which is many times the end goal for an organization. So just to get started, uh, Mike, I would like to start uh, with you. Do you have an inventory of the reasons why enterprise transformation fails and how much of that is connected to or attributed to the human component? Well, probably most of it is attributed to the human component because the truth is that we are creatures who fall in love with our habits and change is hard. Even when we want to change, change is hard, let alone when we have a situation where we walk into work and uh, the powers that be have announced some big plans for a change. Okay. So, Mark, what have you seen the world doing when it comes to enterprise transformation? And you could really say that there is much more to be uh, attributed to the people component than any other reasons? Well, I think the interesting thing, Sinjov, is, is we're really seeing a fundamental change in the whole notion of enterprise transformation uh, and being brought in part by uh, the topic we're talking about today, uh, gamification, but perhaps on a more broad basis uh, on the notion that much of these new technologies, the digital, social, mobile, cloud technologies, are really technologies that focus on individuals and behavior. Uh, as opposed to kind of the central top-down, my way or the highway IT technologies we've had in the past. So I think that's changing the nature of change uh, and making it more participatory, more selective, uh, which which by default makes it more human um, as these technologies enable behavior to become addressable. Um, you know, the individual choices we all make become much, much more important. And just to kind of put a point on that, uh, when I was uh, a young, uh, you know, commercial banker, somebody told me once, he said, remember, no matter how much PCs or computers are out there, it still takes people to write checks. And so, yes, I can install new systems, but it still takes people to change. So it's never been, more, you know, the human component has never been more important and more addressable than, than it's been lately. 
So when we talk about any uh, tried and proven methods that uh, we have all uh, looked at, tried to adopt and see the changes happen or not happen, did we exhaust all of those options? And that's why we are looking up to something new and jazzy like gamification to bring about the change and, and solve all our problems. Mike? Well, I, I, I always... I always uh, cringe a little bit when, when people say solve all our problems because, of course, the human condition is you cannot solve all your problems. Hopefully you can solve some important pressing problems. And I do think that what's going on now is a convergence of demographics and technology. I mean, when you look at the demographics and some of the recent surveys that have coming, been coming out of uh, game industry research, the median age now for a gamer is 36, not 16, not 26, 36. These games have been around for a while. And what the research also shows is that when people start, they typically keep right on going. Sometimes you get married, you have kids, you take on a job, and et cetera. And so you don't say that you still secretly slip away and do a little bit of gaming. But it typically does show that... Once a gamer, always a gamer. And now you have technology that can deliver the kind of interesting, interactive, 3D, real-time graphics that games have always used. Now you see that technology slipping into the mainstream, slipping into mainstream business applications. So there's a real, uh, a real merger there that has a lot of power to it. Now, uh, Mark, in your world, when you have spoken to people, do you think the people have changed to, or they have started behaving differently because there is interaction available or easy collaboration and interactive approaches available? And they are uh, looking at those inputs and feedbacks to see whether they want to change or not, or is their fundamental DNA is the same? Well, I think, you know, at some level, everybody's fundamental DNA is the same. And, and in that regard, I think the qualifications and the characteristics of gaming and uh, and game design play very well. Everyone wants to be uh, play a part in achieving a common goal and everyone wants to have recognition or a way of seeing how well their contribution reflects against that goal. Um, you know, those are essential elements of games and essential elements of uh, Michael's book on the subject, Enterprise Games, which is a really great read. Um, but I think the, the the big thing that has to that executives have to get over is kind of get away from this game uh, notion and start to think about the idea of objectives and uh, feedback mechanisms and measurement and roles and participation as being kind of the next generation of business design because we all, regardless of our age and regardless of whether you know we're uh, you know third level mages in World of Warcraft want to know what our role is in the in the part, want to know what the objective is, wants to be able to measure our success. And organizations that say, you know what, that's the kind of participatory environment I want to be in, you know, are taking advantage of this stuff. And I think I think social media and technology make that participation much, much more visible in a world where, you know, people aren't getting, you know, massive bonuses for their work. Um, you know, that that intrinsic reward becomes that much more important and that much more of a driving force. Now, uh, Mike, as you would agree, uh, I'm sure you'd agree that people come in all different flavors. That is, some people would not want to play at all. Others mm -hmm. would not get their blood boiling when they see a good gory game. They would actually find that to be repulsive. And the others would not want to go to that level of excitement. And they would play it just for the sake of fun. But if it starts 
stretching them and or challenging them, they'll say, I'm not going to play it. So you could have the same type of behavior existing in an organization. So do you think gamification would only be useful for people who are all charged up with that mindset that gaming is is what kind of uh, takes them to the next level? And that that if we say that, that means the change is not going to be pervasive. You know, I, I think that the word gamification, it is the predominant word. It is being used right now in the press, and and, and yet it, it, it sounds faintly awkward or even trivial. And so the word gamification often calls up, I think, the wrong image in the minds of people who are considering using it. I think it calls up the images of you know, points and badges on your on your website and somewhat silly things that might be more appropriate to high school or even grade school. And that misses the point. Uh, to, to Mark's earlier remark, we all basically have the same DNA, and we all are basically motivated by similar desires to participate in something that we feel is meaningful and larger than ourselves, to be recognized for our contributions, and then also to experience the satisfaction, the intrinsic satisfaction of getting better at what we do and seeing the feedback that shows us we are indeed getting better. So the challenge when companies start to use this thing we currently call gamification is that you need to roll it out in such a way that it doesn't just appeal to that small, smaller group of people that you mentioned who maybe already are very hyped up and charged up about doing that and that it has broad appeal across the whole, the whole organization. Now, Mark, do you think when we go to a doctor and we say we have a specific ailment, the person does not give you one medicine that cures everything that you may have? They may go based on what specific problem we have. Do you think enterprise transformation-related problems, if inventory, would have some specific areas where gamification can actually create value and the others, we are still uh, scratching our heads to see what we can do about them? Well, I think, I think, Sinjo, if you think about it, if you take a step back and think about it this way, any kind of transformation revolves, involves really two major things. One is a behavior change. And one oftentimes is to get the benefits. You have to make decisions differently than you've made in the past. And those two factors um, are, are essential elements of, of any game design, you know, kind of what, what you reward and what uh, is, is less rewarded. But more importantly, um, we have the ability to, to, to give people the information to be able to make different decisions, to see the results of different decisions and to modify their behavior by themselves in a non-coercive way. Uh, that they've never been able to do before. And that is essentially the elements of the game. I think, I think, uh, Michael's right. We're going to lose, uh, we're going to lose, um, the, the true business impact of those features and functions if we get hung up on, on, on the name and the word gamification and, and we don't take the next step to say this is really, you know, another form of business design and another form of leadership that's more democratic, more participatory, more creative and more inventive. And if if we just get stuck in game mechanics, we'll lose all of that. Mike, do you think gamification should be categorized under a tactic, uh, a leadership style, or a mindset? I think it's a mindset, and and then it trickles down from there. Then it can infuse your leadership style, and it can also be a very effective tactic. And again. 
you know, Mark, Mark speaks words, words of wisdom there. This, this is much more than just putting flashy graphics or smiley faces on websites, which has been uh, done up until now, and it has produced some interesting results in the area of, of uh, customer service and sales and marketing. But there is a lot more going on, and this whole notion of participatory um, decision-making. And in any game, the main thrill for the players is that they are all participating. They're not just standing around waiting to be told what to do by somebody. Everyone can see what's going on. Everyone has a role to play. And typically, you know, the games that get us all charged up are team games. And it's that feeling of being part of a team, either on the team or or fans of the team. So it's that togetherness, that 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 uh, charge of energy that you get with that kind of team spirit. That's that's what we're trying to use game mechanics now to infuse into organizational behavior. There could be enthusiasm. Mark, Mark, this is a question for you. But it also could also have a situation where we get into either analysis paralysis because a lot of enthusiastic players in the game are having opinions, but there could be difference. And in, in order to get consensus, because we want to, to make decision as a team, that could delay the decision-making and thus would be counterproductive. Do you think that's a risk, actually, in this approach? Well, that would be a risk, Sanjov, if, if you were applying uh, game mechanics partially uh, to the problem. In other words, you know, you were saying that all decisions were going to be made by the team captain and, and people could, 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 you know, talk about and discuss the decisions, but they couldn't, you know, actually make them and take action. And, you know, as we've seen, you know, already in social media and kind of mass collaboration and the creation of social organizations, the ability to use feedback to build consensus, uh, you know, is an incredibly powerful motivator. And that is a, you know, that is an element of, of game mechanics. I think the important thing to think about here and to, and to kind of help but kind of stretch the view a bit here is um, I'm just going to tell you a real quick story. I was at a, a, a CEO event at Wharton in, uh, in Philadelphia, and we spent four hours discussing four basic questions. You know, who are we and who are they? You know, what the what is winning versus value creation? You know, who is the competition and, you know, who do we collaborate with? You know, we're talking about strategy and markets and structures and all other stuff. Those four questions are essential elements of any business strategy or any business transformation. They're also essential questions that get answered via game mechanics. And so so if I'm using game mechanics just to be able to kind of, you know, put points on the board and, and a badge, as Michael mentioned, you know, but I still don't change the way I make decisions, the way I manage in a more participatory and collaborative way, then, yeah, you can, you can get gunked up in this. But the interesting part is, is a, is a game organized around a central goal and, and while some people will say that goal is completing quests you know that goal can also be getting uh, working capital out of the supply chain it can also be you know raising you know reducing the amount of time required for customer service and you know and customers can play in that game too which i think opens up a whole new set of opportunities with these technologies that really move game mechanics into business into the business mechanics realm Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And, uh, Mike, when we come back, I'd like to see if there is some quantification of, of result that can be shared with the listeners where how much value truly has been seen getting created when enterprise gamification was adopted versus uh, what was being done before. So let's do that comparative study and explore this more when we come back. Please stay tuned, listeners. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So let's crunch some numbers or look at some numbers. Mike, in your uh, research and as you've seen our organizations adopting this enterprise gamification, have they been able to incrementally show a growth and a percentage improvement uh, in intangible hard numbers and dollars in or in intangibles when they used enterprise gamification versus when they did not? Well, let let me start by saying that the, the first wave of gamification was directed towards largely sales and marketing type of efforts and the vendors there are several well-known vendors in that space such as uh, Badgeville and Bunchball um, Achievers is another one um, they do have case studies that will show that in those type of applications there is greater participation and, and maybe Mark has got some some uh, more quantitative research in that area. I can provide some qualitative observations and some some stories from the people I've been talking to in my research. Actually, just last week I was talking with people at a large network of global advertising agencies that do business under the name of PhD, and their issue is they have agencies around the world often working on common... Um, campaigns for the same customer. How do they get people to collaborate and share ideas? Especially, you know, this whole notion of sharing ideas where at the end of the day a lot of us still hide our knowledge because our knowledge is the basis for our power. They worked with uh, a, actually they're in the process of rolling out right now a platform that they feel perhaps is the first platform applied at this scale. We're talking up to 3,000 people worldwide, uh, right at the heart of this uh, new application that they call Source, because the idea is to source new ideas for ad campaigns right at the heart of this 
they have put in game mechanics, typically the idea of recognizing people for their contributions, letting people see tangible evidence of their progress as they work up. You know, they, they start out at a rank of contributor, and then they move up through editor, finally arriving at the exalted rank of thought leader. But when they get there, it's not just because the boss likes them. It's because they have actually done things, contributed things, that got used in campaigns. That, that kind of transparency and objectivity, they are already seeing real results. It's drawing people into the process. They actually have, have they told me, and, and the, the, uh, the company that developed this software for them, a company called Code Worldwide, they, they said we specifically don't use the term gamification because it's already been labeled as, quote, silly. So that, you know, the, the, those of us, and I think maybe I'm one of them, who, who on, on certain days are real curmudgeons, if you use a word that I've already branded in my mind as silly, then I close down. I, I, I don't hear anything more you say. So that is an example of, and it's just happening as we speak. Big, big uh, commitment. Three thousand people worldwide. They want better collaboration for sourcing ideas. They have deliberately turned to game mechanics, but they've decided not to use the phrase gamification. Mark, you got some numbers? Uh, not so much so numbers, Sanjov, as, as much as, as as potential applications. So Ross Smith uh, out at Microsoft has been doing some really interesting things here in terms of using game mechanics to accomplish and, and achieve work tasks that previously were kind of dull and boring. And so if you can imagine translating all the help text that goes along with a Microsoft Windows release into all the different languages that Windows is released in, it's a very laborious task. Um, Ross and his team set up a set up a game that's similar to the NC2A uh, titles that gave points to people who were translating and validating the translations. They accomplished in literally in less than you know a couple of months what normally would have taken you know a long period of time and been a very arduous task was accomplished you know in a way that built bridges across the company. So. You know, I think you know. I think the notion of of gaming, you know, in, in the strict sense, is still, as Mike points out, Michael points out, you know, kind of concentrated on sales and marketing and, and digital marketing. I think where we're seeing, you know, these more significant innovations like uh, Semex using it to to implement their strategies via Semex Shift, um, they don't they don't show up as games, but they have significant transformational, uh, you know, potential and and impact. Now, uh, Mike, if you were to look at uh, the the framework and or the whole concept like you know we've got so many other frameworks that we look at and try to interpret and then different organizations try to deploy them differently and it turns out that the framework just becomes as effective as the interpretation right. within an organization yeah. is this the same fate we should expect for gamification because if it is too wide too broad then it's as good as not even having it uh, yeah, obviously that that is an issue, and <clears throat> you know I, I would say actually Mark has co-authored a book called The Social Organization, which really provides a good background, a framework. Um, people need to watch out for pat answers, literal interpretations. I have noticed that in the gaming world. As it, these techniques start spreading outside of just sales and marketing and being used in 
in ways to modify business operations that often the first wave of people who participated in the sales and marketing gamification and the video game designers themselves, they often start to feel like, well, wait, wait a minute, what is this? What you're doing isn't what we call games, and then they disagree with it. And what is happening now is that I like to use the phrase game-like, and it's what we, we're, we're struggling for words, but in a game-like model, you can you basically have four traits here, and then it's a matter of how do you apply them. And those four traits are goal. We all need a common goal. Second thing is rules, clear and simple enough so that we can all understand what the rules are, not that we need a Philadelphia lawyer to interpret them to us every other day. Then the third thing is a feedback system, a, a real-time feedback system that we trust that is showing us do our actions take us closer to or farther away from the goal. And then the last thing is reasons to get enthusiastically involved. Um, when you have those four traits and you find ways to apply them to the situation that you are trying to transform, then you find game mechanics have a lot to offer because of the way that they trigger our innate human desire to be involved, see ourselves recognized, and see progress. And it is not a matter of just simply installing a package. Oh, I have a great gamification package. Install it. Yeah, like I installed my ERP system and then tell everyone to use it. No, that's not it. And it definitely starts with a frame of mind, an approach, keeping the, then those four traits in in. In clear view, as you start to experiment with ways to embed them in the organization. Mark, do you think in order to get the full uh, potential out of this gamification approach, is it better to leave it somewhat of free form, or is it better to kind of nail down some of the basic guidelines and principles and standards and benchmarks, etc., for people to to start adopting it? Because when you leave it too open. A lot of people say, yeah, that's another hype. I'm not sure what to do, and they might be on the fence. And and the real value never gets demonstrated to the degree so that it becomes pervasive and actually people get create more value. Uh, and and, and that's, that's the question here. Should we confine or stifle people's creativity by putting structure around it? Well, I think you need just enough structure, and we certainly found this in social media applications and collaborations, you need to find just enough structure, not so much for the benefit of the community, or in this case, the benefit of the game player, as much as it is for the management uh, of the organization, so they understand, you know, and can see, you know, that this is that this has a meaningful business purpose, that there is a good business reason for engaging this. I think if you think about, you know, any kind of collaborative environment that you face, you know, as Michael pointed out, you know, there are a basic set of rules that that kind of govern behavior. And I think an effective business game, an effective application of game mechanics to, um, you know, to business, which is something that the CIO is predominantly concerned about, you know, the, 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 you know, the fewer rules that basically say you can't do this, you know, and prohibit certain behaviors, but leave other things open, you know, does leave the floor open for creativity. Remember, we're all looking at the same business goal and, and we're moving from a world where, you know, everything could be predetermined and controlled via, you know, traditional IT technologies to a much more open and collaborative world where, you know, where the three highest things that customers value, uh, you know, in terms of interacting with you as a company, you know, are number one is, is they see their participation in the, in, in the creation of their products. 
Number two is is that they you know that they that they participate in resolving you know their own issues and challenges. And number three is is that you know you that you involve them and, and solve their challenges you know for the you know the right time the right the right way in the first time. And those those are all things that cannot be prescribed as much as they can be encouraged and and, and be set out and established as goals. So I think you know this is really you know going to break or, or really you know kind of give CIOs a headache because because they're they're used to predefined uh, you know prescriptive solutions and we've entered a world where we've got all those basic prescriptive solutions in place and all the all the variants all the uh, innovation all the energy all the value is going to come from uh, these less strict less structured behavioral approaches. Yeah, Sanjog, I, I couldn't agree more. That, that's, that's the big shift. We're moving from a centralized command and control economy, the classic top-down pyramidal organization, to much more of a network structure simply because top-down pyramid-shaped hierarchies move so slowly. And in high-change, unpredictable worlds, network organizations that figure out how to coordinate their actions consistently outperform the hierarchies. So this is a bit of a Darwinian process going on here. It's not that centralized command and control is bad, but it just doesn't move fast enough anymore. And games have an amazing ability to provide coordination and control to a network of semi-autonomous players. You know, the players on a basketball court are not waiting around, being waiting to be told what to do. So that's the big difference here. If we can figure out how to apply that to business operations, there's going to be an explosion of creativity and productivity by those businesses that figure this out. Let's take a quick break, uh, break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, Mark, question for you will be that if I were to poll a number of CIOs and the respective uh, staff members, are they deer in headlights, scratching their head what to do on the fence, or are gung-ho to take this on, even though this is 180 degree opposite their DNA, and they are asked to jump into uncharted waters? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and listen to Mark McDonald. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. So, uh, Mark, the question is, how should uh, the CIOs and the other IT leadership and the staff take this? Because this is not directly coinciding with their true uh, command and control approach. And, yes, they are trying to become more and more flexible and trying to adopt this network structure, but they are measured. Their performance is measured not on how cool they are, but how predictable do they make you know, the business and IT operations. Well, Sanjov, it's a great question. I think there's two there's two ways to look at it. First off is is that um, is that if we look at it as we've been discussing, you know, just as a gamification trend and turning things into games, then then you know, very very it, it is it has a, the mech, the notions of a passing fad. If, however, CIOs and you know are willing to kind of look beyond that kind of the buzz about it and say, I'm going to apply game mechanics and combine it with business process design, combine it with information transparency, you know, and the connectivity and collaboration capabilities of digital technology, then we find you know we find significant applications and potentials. And to be quite honest with you, CIOs need to find these significant uh, these significant opportunities and potentials. Um, because the IT game that they're playing right now that you mentioned before, they're being measured on cost, control, and quality of service, is at a stalemate. Just like tic-tac-toe that nobody plays anymore, nobody really wants to play this old IT game of cost, quality, and risk management because they know it just doesn't move in, move forward. And so we're looking at the technology game are, you know, that really talk about how do you create value through participation and collaboration – and these mechanisms are essential elements of that new game that many people already in, in, in you know outside of the the IT organization are trying to play. And I think the CIO with uh, with that combination I mentioned before between business process analytics, transparency, and digital technology, you know, has has a tremendous opportunity that nobody else can really take advantage of. All right, um, be a bit exploratory and innovative. All right. So, uh, Mike, in your world, when you look at uh, enterprise gamification, yes, this is new. So people want to talk about all the successes that we may have had. How about some of the not exactly horror stories, because this is just getting started. What are some of the issues where people started on the wrong foot and or made some uh, mistakes, which is actually causing them more harm than good? Sure. I I won't name names, but Certainly, I've talked with people in companies where this was rolled out to great fanfare, as many new things are, and <clears throat> then it was also it was also confused with the notion of making work fun or making work a game. Work is not a game. I think work is fun when you're engaged, whether you're working hard or not. Uh, as a matter of fact, working hard is part of fun. But when you roll out these initiatives with a certain um, condescending attitude on the part of senior management when it's clear that senior management is not participating. That's always a big tip-off that this is not to be taken seriously. And when you emphasize the wrong things, you know, when it, when it, when it turns out to be, in effect, earn a smiley face for turning out more widgets, that is a prescription for disaster. Nobody likes to be played for a fool. 
and being given little points and badges for working like a you know working like a crazed weasel is not something that is going to motivate people so with that attitude in mind you know whoopee work is fun that's a terrible way to go about it so if you don't have that then what else is available which provides a tangible feedback like so if you're not giving a badge yeah. and a person who's a CIO or maybe a mid manager that person mm-hmm. doesn't get all jazzed up about getting a badge or or doing yeah. that whoopee thing that you just mentioned right. so what would motivate and incent that person things like being able to once you prove that you have the skills and the capability being able to as they say in the game world level up and do more interesting work getting more responsibility getting believing that the feedback that you're getting isn't just politically tainted because your boss likes you this week but instead is a much more objective measure of your skills and the value that you're creating and delivering to the organization. Those are real tangible rewards that all of us respond to. You know, it turns out a lot of research shows that you know, only a minority of people work for money alone. And most of us, of course, we need to make money. Don't dare substitute some goofy badge and then cut my salary. But there is a point where... As long as I can cover the rent and still have a few bucks left over, you know, to take my wife out to dinner, then I'm interested in the quality of the work I'm doing, the interest, the challenge level of my work, and those are things that you can use to reward people in a game-like way as they show mastery and progress in the talents that are required to do their job well. Now, when I asked you this question about mid-management, uh, Mike, you mentioned that they should uh, – you, you actually use the terms and things which we call as leadership and management 101. Mm-hmm. So where does this gamification – is it just like a sugar coating and, or, or giving it another wrapper that this is now gamification, which was known as leadership and management 101 earlier? Sure, yeah, to, to some extent. I mean, in, in one sense, there is never anything new under the sun, you know. All, all the, the the timeless truths are timeless because they're truth, and truth uh, typically endures. But I would say don't throw out the whole idea just with a bah humbug, shrug of the shoulders, ah, there's nothing new here. There is incremental change, and there are new things. The, the technology that has been developed by video games over the last 20 years is awesome. It is incredible. When you look at the way video games, and in particular I'm talking about a group of games known as MMOs or Massively Multiplayer Online Games, World of Warcraft or EVE Online are good examples. When you look at the way that technology is employed to actively enthuse, motivate, and engage hundreds of thousands of people simultaneously around the world, those are examples that business can use and apply to their own IT stack to get much more participation and cooperation from their own people. Mark, to further get some clarity, would you have any examples of uh, things that you would do to mid-management to incent them and motivate them, which does not uh, look like 101 leadership management? Yeah, well, I think I think the the central element, Sanjov, is when I use the word leadership and I use the word management, I'm looking at a at one person on top and one person, 
you know, beneath them relationship. And I think the, the fundamental shift here is so much more of, uh, of its peer to peer management and it's self directed. So, um, there's a company over in Sweden called Delaval that's digitized, uh, the dairy farm. They've, you know, put remote sensors, you know, uh, you know, all throughout the farm and the milk production process and generate a ton of information about it. But the most interesting thing is, is the biggest application, the biggest request for information that people want is how does my farm stack up to other farms that are like me? And we see this repeatedly throughout uh, throughout uh, through this. And so Blue Cross Blue Shield in California, you know, used this to increase the rate at which and the speed at which people registered you know, for their health benefits. And what normally was a five-week process became a five-hour process because they were giving T-shirts away to people who registered, you know, online early, just that basically said, I protected my, my family by registering online. And that's, that's peer-to-peer, that's peer influence. That's, you know, uh, benchmarking yourself to, to the rest of the market and saying, you know, how do I have to change my behavior to get a different level of performance? That's not management 101. That level of self-motivation and intrinsic reward is absolutely critical. And I think when done right is incredibly powerful. When done wrong, it's the exact opposite of engagement, which is cynicism. And cynicism, you know, permeates much of what we talk about in leadership and management 101. So these game techniques are, 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 are significant advancement in, uh, that are enabled by technology to help us change the way companies work. So it's more like providing transparency <laughs> and real-time feedback about what you're doing, how's that match up to what your peer is doing so that it becomes like a healthy race. Is that what you're getting to? No, no, it's not a healthy race so much as, as, as much as it is, is to provide you know, information and, and the tools to be able to change my outcome. So if all I do is provide feedback, I, I work like that classic I Love Lucy thing in the candy factory where just more pieces come out and, you know, I, I get told I'm failing or I get told I'm successful. When, when you see people really change behavior, when you see people really transform, they always go through a process of understanding, you know, kind of what other people are doing, what's working for them, and then they internalize that to themselves. So just saying, you know, you, you handled, you know, 5,000 customer complaints this year, you know, good for you, is, is the epitome of cynicism and the epitome of kind of industrialized work. In the, in the future, and, and even as we see today with more knowledge workers, they want more qualitative understanding of how well they're doing. And then also kind of, you know, what is it that they need to do, you know, to be different, to have work be more meaningful, to have, you know, a greater result that, that as Mike mentions before, enables them to level up. And if you, you know, you look in your own life, in your own career, you've seen examples of that where you've gone through a, a change or learning, you know, based upon that peer feedback. And then you're able to level up and do things that you, you weren't allowed to do before. Now, uh, Mike, a question here would be, we, if, if first of all, let's validate this. Can we call enterprise gamification a catalyst? So whatever we are trying to achieve, does it help us do faster or better or both? I would, I would say better, and I, 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 I like that you know, Mark's analogy of the I Love Lucy show, where the the cakes are coming down the assembly line. She's supposed to be, you know, putting them, putting cherries on top and putting them in boxes, and it just keeps coming faster and faster. That's the old industrial model. That's the assembly line model. We should not be thinking of the new organizational model as just a speeded up version of the 20th century assembly line model. It is not that. 
because we live in a world now where there is so much unpredictable stuff, and games give us a way to respond quickly. That is important. Respond quickly to unpredictable situations in ways that keep the company moving toward its goal. Games and game mechanics are very good at doing that. That's what we should be thinking about, not just a speeded-up version of the assembly line. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we're back, uh, my question here would be is that what if we have not defined the end goal properly and or it gets misinterpreted? Do you think the enterprise gamification can actually help timely validate correct course and actually put us back in the right direction, or is it going to take us faster uh, towards that uh, road to failure. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are listening to cio talk radio with sun jog all to learn more about the show please visit www.ciotalkradio.com if you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, uh, Mark, there could be a chance where we, before we started implementing or trying to use this gamification approach to bring about transformation, but there could have been uh, incorrectly defined end game or it could have been misinterpreted first of all what are the chances of that happening and secondly if it does happen that way and we start going in the wrong direction do you think we have the potential through enterprise gamification that we correct the course we will have the time and we will not just be uh, you know accelerated towards the wrong path just because we are using this technique Oh, it's a that's a great question Shanjov and, and it it really represents a significant opportunity to contrast gamification with business process design. And so you're, you're absolutely right. When we design a, a business process and the business process goes wrong, you know, it takes us a while to figure it out. It takes us a while to redesign the process, redeploy it and tell people, you know, what you thought was the right steps to go through are no longer the right steps. With gamification, all of that happens much, much more quickly and much, much more dynamically, you know, simply because it's, we're talking about goals, 
And so we're trying to achieve a goal like getting, you know, getting us, you know, work and process down in, in, in a supply chain or improving customer service or, or increasing the ability of salespeople to call on prospects. And because the, that goal has metrics and feedback around it, uh, as Michael mentioned before, one of the elements of a good game design, we're going to see really quickly whether or not people understand the goal and they're using the right means to achieve that goal. And then if they're not, um, you know, we have the opportunity just to reset the goal. Uh, and, and you know, and then put some and put some new rules in, but but while still playing the same game. So, you know, that's the the, the fundamental difference between a participatory and behavioral based approach to creating business value, as opposed to a predetermined and prescriptive approach to creating business value. I could just tell people, guys, we, we were trying to do this, but we're not getting the right results. And you saw that in call center uh, applications, for example, when people were measuring call time. You know, you got a lot of people who get on the phone, talk for like 10 seconds and then get off. When you started to measure close rates, I didn't have to set a new set of policies and procedures. I just had to tell everybody playing the game, you know, what the new goal was and they adjusted their behavior accordingly. And that's what we need for this, you know, much more dynamic, flexible and adaptive world we're facing. Don't you think it's too good to be the true the way you, you mentioned? So where where is the secret sauce to success here when you said that people are just themselves? Is there something which is, uh, well, when implemented well, is when this is going to happen? Or if it is, how, how would we know what you just said is going to happen every time? How do we ensure that? Well, because because, you know, obviously you're actively monitoring the game. And I think the other thing, you know, that's fundamental to all of this and, and, you know, and goes back to the fundamental, uh, you know, questions that like a Jim Collins asked is if I have, you know, good people, people who, you know, who want to achieve, who are interested in, in, uh, you know, in improvement, who are interested in, you know, in doing their job and doing well in their job, then all I have to do is kind of let their behavior and their natural inclinations kind of loose and 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 to achieve what they're looking to achieve and so getting the right people on the bus at a basic fundamental level you know is absolutely essential to this and by and large i know a very very few people going to work and say you know what i'm going to break everything i can touch today i'm going to do a lousy job and so i think you know these game these game techniques are uh, these game mechanics give us the opportunity to tap a deep reservoir of personal of personal behavior and personal self-image and personal you know desire to do to do good work and be recognized for it that we've never been able to tap before with you know prescriptive IT and prescriptive business processes so mike do you you actually mention about that overzealous approach to pushing out a badge or whatever else that you know at the tactical level gamification offers do you think there is a way to see signs that we are going totally, uh, you know, overboard with it and control it, and do you see that happening more often than not? Well, I think that we all have to remember that it gets back to no one likes to be treated like a child, assuming we're no longer children. And when you see uh, you know, Mark's example of, for instance, in a call center, if you get badges by getting people off the phone in a hurry, well, then you just get people off the phone in a hurry. You don't really solve any problems, but you earn a badge. So this isn't uh, rocket science. It's the, That's the, the interesting thing, and it's hard to sometimes explain it, but people do want to do a good job. The intrinsic value of work is the satisfaction we get from it, even more than the money that we earn. And when you show people ways to do things that they feel proud of, that they can see they're getting better at, 
then don't worry about all these badges. It's, it's honest, real-time feedback. Badges are simply a form of feedback. But you can see feedback in all sorts of ways. And we're talking now in the IT world about business intelligence, big data. The, the secret is harness those so that people show me a scorecard. Let's just let's not talk, talk about badges and leaderboards. Let's talk about a scorecard. Show me a scorecard that shows me how I'm doing. Give me a reason to care about the outcome, and then let me get involved. Tell me what, but let me figure out how. Those are game-like ways that companies are learning to apply right now to deal with the kind of uh, global real-time economy that we all live in. Mark, if you had very succinct set of uh, you know, advice uh, to people who are trying to adopt gamification, and there are some do's and don'ts, would you would you would want to outline those? Yeah, I, I think I think I think the do's are to to have a clear goal uh, and have a you know have a defined kind of business outcome, the thing you want to happen and to happen more often. Um, I think the I think one of the don'ts is to uh, just implement mechanics nilly willy throughout the process, as as Michael's been saying. You know, the the thing that we see, for example, is uh, you know, in digital technology strategies, is is the strategy sometimes overwhelms, you know, the the fundamental simple things that we're trying to achieve. And when we when we go after achieving those those simple things, we get much much uh, better reactions. And then I think the other thing is, and particularly for CIOs, is that this is not a transaction. This is not a project. This is, you know, games evolve and, and they expand and they contract and they correct. And so engaging the business and saying, look, we're going we're gonna to try to go after this outcome, you know, and, and we're going to go after this outcome over time, you know, becomes a very important way of, of looking at it and making adjustments. So, you know, be willing to be adaptive, uh, be goal mind and focused and avoid just routine, you know, implementation of mechanics, you know, in favor of, you know, how you shape behavior. Uh, you know, becomes becomes some of the the central elements here. Uh, so, Mike, uh, what training, education, mindset changes, and leadership style changes that you think uh, should happen or should be done in order for an organization to get most value out of this enterprise gamification and as the end goal of enterprise transformation? Well, I I think that some of the themes we've talked about here on the show, this notion of Give up the centralized command and control idea of the 20th century. It worked well in the 20th century, but it's not working well now. In, find ways to include more people. Most people want to do a good job, so give them, give them a clear definition of the goal, and then give them clear and honest feedback, and then they will start to monitor themselves. They will correct themselves. Um, those are the, those are the things we need to think about now. This is not, you know, it, when you look back 100 years ago, it took us really the first, the first decade of the last century, we still thought we were back in the Victorian age. The first decade of this century, we still thought we were back in the Industrial Age. Well, we're not. I think we know it now. We're not quite sure what is next. I am certain that it will require a new way of controlling and coordinating organizations, and game mechanics are right down the middle of how we are going to learn to control and coordinate organizations in this new economy. Thank you so much again, uh, Mark and Mike, for sharing your thoughts on how gamification can actually help improve enterprise transformation. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Sanjo. And I'd like to also thank 
uh, send my thanks to Wilbert Williams for his question about gamification. Wilbert was a winner in our New Year New Book contest, and he, in fact, won an autographed copy of The Social Organization, How to Use Social Media to Tap the Collective Genius of Your Customers and Employees. And it was authored by Mark McDonald, one of our uh, panelists today, and also was co-authored by Anthony Bradley, another group vice president at Gartner. Uh, so thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sanjal Gaul next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.